Welcome to the fourth episode of Your Time on the Run, the Hunter podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me, as always, is the lady who has a sound of music moment at least 50% of the time, Michelle Pierce Denovan. Oh my god, you hit the nail on the head. I remembered you saying that you love the sound of music, so as soon as um, we had that short clip of Joe and Dan talking about the sound of music, I was like, I've got to use that for Michelle's intro this week. Yes, love it, love it, love it. And you will notice the lack of Ant this week. He decided that a social life was uh, was more important than podcasting with us. So, in return, we've replaced him with a tub of lard, which is liable to give much the same performance and imbued with many of the same qualities. <gasps> That's mean. It is mean, but it's also a reference to a joke from the mid-1990s on a programme over here called Have I Got News For You? Where an MP at the time stood them up three times and they couldn't be asked getting a replacement guest for him the the third time, so they just replaced him with a tub of lard and said that uh, it was liable to give much the same performance and imbued with many of the same qualities. (gasps) That's bad. How did the MP react? Did they come back on that? Uh, he never returned on the show, no, and uh, I don't oh, think he was particularly yeah. happy about it, understandably. <laughs> but, you know, shouldn't stand up one of the most popular programmes in the UK, should you? No, or else you will get done. So, yeah, Ant has decided that he wanted to go to a rugby match instead of joining us, so it's just us two today. Mm. Exciting. So previously, eight fugitives were left on the run. Sandra and Mella got into a car with a ghost agent and got Kirk and Jez at Gretna Green Services. Jamie taunted the hunters and met his pregnant wife outside of Fort in Dorset. However, all the good work he did was undone by accidentally driving past Nick and Danny in a camper van. Yes. As I said on Twitter before the episode started last night, I really, really hope that this is a fake out, but I don't think it will be. And I was right, annoyingly. Why did he stop? Why didn't he keep running? Because the thing is, he was blocked by the cows, and they would have just walked over and opened the door and said, Jamie Clark, your time of the run's over. Yeah, but why didn't he keep running through the forest? He, he was beating them. He could have beaten them. I think the river was probably the best place to run if he wanted to hide. Mm. The problem is he didn't hide well enough. Jeez. Why didn't he lie down on the floor? I don't know. And fun fact, uh, Jamie's wife has joined Twitter in the past 24 hours. Oh, really? The only reason I know this is because she's been liking some of my tweets. <laughs> God. Oh, I haven't gone on Twitter this morning. You know how the, the two hunters were saying, stop, stop. Is anyone ever going to stop? Like, seriously. It's a bit pathetic, them calling out stop. Just hurry up and get them. They got their man, though, didn't they? Ah, <sighs> they did. It's so sad. I don't know. So he does have to stop for some cows and then legs it out of the van. And Nick and Danny do chase and shout for him to give it up. And he doesn't, surprisingly, given that he's outrunning them. Mm-hmm. And he does run through the river. Nick and Danny lose sight of him, but Nick does eventually spot him. And he gets caught, which makes Ben Owen a very happy guy. <laughs> given that he practically ejaculates on TV. Oh, Jesus. Jamie gave as much as he could. It, he was just, it, it was just his wife's phone. Took him down. Gone. So sad. It certainly uh, fulfilled the criteria of a disappointing capture. Because we're quite known for being big fans of Jamie's work. He's uh, He's been very nice to us on social media, but we're, we're big fans of what he was doing, and it's disappointing to see him go out, but annoyingly, it's not a big surprise given how last week ended. Oh, I wish it would have been like one of those TV shows where they, they, um, they outrun the cops. <laughs> they just outrun them and get away. Why don't they ever do that? 
Why doesn't anyone ever do that? Come on, we need an Olympic athlete on there. We need you stone bold. Something tells me that they wouldn't cast an Olympic athlete for this exact reason, Michelle. How exciting would it be? You could just see them running like Forrest Gump off into the distance. Also, Usain Bolt would be useless at it because he's only a short distance sprinter. He wouldn't physically be able to uh, to run long distances at, at the speed he does sprints, at least. Yes, but you do need a sprinter. And um, five people do end up being left on the run. And we begin with a short bit of Joe and Dan. And this is the only bit we're going to see of them in the entire episode. So bizarre. Yep, and they're in the Lake District and have a Sound of Music moment. That's literally it. And that, yeah, that was that was it. It's quite impressive how little we have seen of them, given that they're responsible for some crazy shit on social media. <laughs> it's so weird. We haven't really seen them. They're like the twins of The Amazing Race. They're like uh, Pennywise and Henry VIII. Yes. I was trying to explain that to my husband as he was watching that the other <laughs> week, what we used to call them. And he's going, what? And I'm saying, okay, you have to understand. Well, it's Stephen King and English King. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have much material, so we give them material. That's how we roll. Oh, dear. <laughs> yes. But yet, yeah, given that the guys are responsible for maybe the funniest thing that I saw on social media during the hunt time, I'm shocked we haven't seen much of them at all. I don't know, but if they're very interesting, they should have more camera time. It certainly looks like one of their homes gets raided next week, which should hopefully actually bring them up to the camera. But maybe they've just gone so underground that the hunters are just struggling and there's not a lot of point showing them, which is kind of annoying. They probably have some good material, but then they can't keep showing them and not have any intel as to how to get to them. Yeah. And Majid also gets his first bit of backstory, and he's an immigrant from Somalia, and he's still in Manchester, and WhatsApp's a friend. And interestingly, I found out off Majid why he did the WhatsApp. It's quite clever with with why he did the WhatsApping, because it's encrypted on both sides, meaning that the hunters can't trace it. The hunters haven't got the tools to be able to trace those messages. Oh, a few people have been asking me to get WhatsApp, but seriously, how much social media can one person have? Yeah, but WhatsApp is fun, because I have a group chat at work on WhatsApp, and it's about 90% talking shit about each other. (laughs) Well, that's normal, isn't it? It's entirely intended to be like for work stuff, and it really isn't. It's just us deciding that our Spanish temp is a uh, a predator, and sending stupid memes, and maybe a gif or two of a particular Australian. Which Australian? You. <laughs> Me? Oh, jeez. You're no way GIF uh, does make an appearance. God, I'm so glad that doesn't have sound. On the subject of um, of no way, the Australian at work did ask me whether I was born in Australia this week. <laughs> <laughs> because I can do an Australian accent so well. Yeah. I'm like, no, you're so sweet, because but no. It's entirely because of Hamish and Andy and podcasting with you and uh, and also Chris Lilly shows. Yes, how funny. I am the only person who does greet him with a, how's it going? It's a little piece of home for him, is uh, getting greeted with a, how's it going? God. How long has he been working with you for? Um, It's probably about nine months he's been there now. Oh, wow, okay. So, Bob and Alex, uh, our update on them is that Bobby's a Freemason, and HQ suspect that he's using his friend Graham, and have found a new associate called Kevin Kemp. And they are on day 12, and Bobby's completely destroyed and needs his back medication. And they decide to make contact with no one other than Kevin Kemp. Da, da, da. It's funny how when the hunters go up to him 
and find him. And, the, and he's just talking to him. He's actually, I think he's talking to them quite normally. I don't think he's seen Bob or heard from Bob yet. And, you know, they ask him if they, he has. And he says, no, 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 I haven't, I haven't. And then they say, oh, funny, everyone says that. And I'm thinking, God, if, you're t- if, you, if you were telling the truth, you just want to go them and say, what, are you calling me a liar? At the risk of sounding like my good friend Anthony Williams, they are monkeying with the timeline a little bit with this because the cliffhanger of that first bit of the episode is, ooh, will Bob walk into an ambush? And it's like, no, of course he won't. If that's the cliffhanger, it's not happening. <laughs> Blatantly obvious that he's going to be safe. Yeah, we've, some, we've sort of come to realise that, you know, when the fugitives are walking towards somewhere where the hunters have been or are supposed to be at... They're not going to be there. No. There's not a chance in hell that I don't think anyone believed that they would actually uh, walk into the ambush. Mm. I was literally 2%. 2% maybe. I'm like, come on. walk. Don't walk into that next... He was just waltzing in there. And then he just walked into the next bar. And then the next bar. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Just in case. what You're just waltzing on. It scared me. For 2%. So you actually thought they were getting caught? No. No, I didn't. But I thought there's always something in the back of your mind. You can't help it. Uh, And, uh, yeah, Sleeping Rough has taken its toll on Bob. And they decide to try and get a free bed for the night with our good friend Kevin. Because Masons have an oath to help each other. And I'm surprised that Bob had basically thrown in the towel and said that. They must have been sleeping rough the whole time. And so it's just really got to him. Yeah, I mean, if you think that... Spoilers, someone quit Vidim after three days because of the mental toll it was taking on him, and he was staying in a nice hotel. These guys have been sleeping rough for, at this point, 12 days, just in people's fields. And if they're lucky in in an abandoned warehouse or something, it's gotta Mm. take its toll on you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm sorry, the Whitham guy was weak. (laughs) So, uh, Bob and Alex are an 11-mile hike away from Kevin's pub. And, fun fact, that was the same distance as the opening hike from Survivor Guatemala, although in less oppressive heat. How did, where did you come to that conclusion? Did you just think, oh, this sounds like this, and so you Googled it? No, I knew off the top of my head that Guatemala's opening challenge was the 11-mile hike. That's even worse. And as I was typing my notes up, I thought, ooh, 11-mile hike, Guatemala. Right. And as Rich and Steve are interrogating Kevin... He says that Masons wouldn't lie to help another Mason. But is that a lie? Mm, I think that wouldn't happen before they see him, but after they may lie. And um, Alex says that he's trusting his gut, and Bob offers to go into the pub as a scout and signal to Alex if the coast is clear, and if not... Alex will then leg it. Yes, Alex will then leg it through the woods. And, of course, this being the first ad break, it was a fake out. They're safe. And uh, another mason decides to take them to his rural lodge because they suspect, correctly, that Kevin has been compromised already. Yeah. And um, at the lodge, Alex is becoming anxious, so they try to arrange a meet-up with his mum, Lynn, who's definitely not going to be a major part of the next couple of episodes, I suspect. Yeah, she looks a bit haggard on the, the next episode. She looks stressed. To be fair to her, she didn't sign up for this. No. Poor lady. They're definitely being a little bit mean towards, and not to the same extent that they were to Leslie Clark, but they're being a little bit mean to Lynn in terms of putting her under the pressure to try and break her. I know, and he says my mum means everything to me. How lovely is that? 
It's very sweet. And it it's a real shame that I'm on the podcast with the person who hates her family. <laughs> so you have no sympathy whatsoever for people loving their yeah. parents. <laughs> the one who kissed and hugged her girls before I said, no, I have to talk to a strange man in England. <laughs> <laughs> a strange man who will make ejaculation jokes and swear a lot. Mm. Yeah, that's so, it's so joyous. <laughs> yeah, they're out there having bacon and eggs. How very English, eh? Hey? Back to the hunters. The hunter, I think it was, was it the psychologist? I think she was on again. Dr. Donnie, your fave. Yeah. She was saying that um, although he's 26, Alex still lives at home. I'm sorry. It is the best place to be. You don't have to pay rent. You can actually save money. I was still at home at 26. I'm sat here going, well, I'm 24 and I'm still at home. My brother's 29 and he's still at home. We do pay Mm. rent, but still. Yeah. I paid stuff, but it's the best place to be because, God, you don't have to cook as much. You don't have to do go out to weird places to do laundry. It's just, why would you move out of home unless you have to? So, Dr. Donna drives me crazy. Have you noticed? Never guessed, Michelle. I, I couldn't guess from the fact that I had a hilarious time editing the podcast last week and it was just mild mad Michelle, raging hell beast over Dr. Donna. Mild mad Michelle. <laughs> I know, I said quite a few oh my gods, and I went, oh dear, I kept saying it. <laughs> are we we're going back to magic, are we? Yeah, we're going back to magic now. Confusing, it was all over the shop. It was. So there is a newspaper article on Majid missing his inauguration, as Deputy Lord Mayor of uh, Sheffield, and Dr. Donna does call him a formidable opponent. Yes, because he's, he's got qualities of extroverts and introverts. I think I'm the same, actually, because in school I was very introverted and then I left and I became more and more extroverted so I think I still have the other qualities yeah I'm I'm quite similar I am quite extroverted but also I have been known quite a lot at work to just shove my headphones on and not talk to people for the day Mm. I'm perfectly happy in my own company when I need to be oh I'm so happy by myself I went on holiday on my own last year I went on a surprise trip I remember yeah I do the same thing I booked it through Expedia, didn't know where I was going until I got to the airport. That's so much fun. Yeah, and and went to Munich for the weekend. It was awesome. And then as a punishment, I had to go and meet up with Logan, but we don't talk about that. (laughs) And Majid decides to finally prepare to leave Greater Manchester, and he posts a letter for the hunters in Somali. That was good. And did you notice that they seem to be swapping how they spell Majid's name? A lot. No. What, they use a J or a G? Yeah, sometimes it, it appears on the screen with a G, sometimes it appears with a J. Oh, maybe it's just the different hunters have not never seen it originally, so they just do their own interpretation. Well, it's on the um, on the lower third as well. Whenever whenever he gets interviewed, it just swaps between J and G. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's even that person? Yeah. Okay, well, that's weird. When he was talking to Kama, he was saying how he does weird things and he wants to challenge himself. He said something which I replayed four times and I still couldn't hear what he said. And it was something to do, he did something every day for a month. What was that? I can't remember. What did it sound like? Really? It was all garbled. I couldn't hear it. He said every day for a month. I can't remember because I didn't didn't write that bit down, annoyingly. I'm dying to know what it is. If you go back and listen, please tell me because it's driving me crazy. Spoilers. It was having cold showers. Most things do drive you crazy, Michelle, let's be honest. Especially Dr. Donna. Yeah, I know. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but how good was that photo? So good. 
and the note, yeah, the note, the letter. And they said, I love that because I've never heard this term before, but it's so English. They're com- they complete teacups. What is that? They're complete mugs, it was supposed to be, but obviously it didn't properly translate. didn't translate. And then the chief said, so he's a complete tosser. Like, what? Just because he sends you something, it doesn't mean he's a tosser. Come on, Blake. I love that Blake's called him a tosser. But he's not a tosser. We didn't see nearly enough of Blake's this week, but calling him a tosser was hilarious. And then Sherlock said he's calling us mugs, and then there was the shot to the mug that someone was holding. Like, how good was that? Is there a more fun job in TV than than editing Hunted right now? And seriously, all the times that they showed Blix and and Sherlock, that was in that compilation they had out this week for How You Feel Monday to Sunday. Yeah. You saw that, didn't you? Yeah. And every time I looked at them, I thought, oh, that was in, that was like maybe Sunday? Or was that Thursday? Every time they did it, something with their faces. I love the fact that we've somehow managed to fall arse backwards into a situation where we actually have hunters DMing us, jokingly mocking Sherlock with us. (laughs) I love Sherlock. Because in response to my query last week about whether um, Steve Hersey was related to my cousin's boyfriend, the answer is no. But he did also say that he appreciated the teasing of Sherlock, which I am more than happy to provide. Uh, as I said on Twitter to to Jamie when uh, he, he got caught, I would assume that Sherlock's t-shirt wasn't the only white thing that day. <laughs> so Majid is an adventure seeker and he taunts the hunters on Twitter. And Blex does call him a complete tosser. Oh, I don't know why. But in teasing them, he heads back to St. Peter's Square where they started and has a picture taken oh. to be tweeted by his friend non-Dr. Donna once he's left <laughs> so the area. <laughs> And after 14 days, we still have five people left on the run, and Bob and Alex are only 25 miles from home, so they can arrange the meeting with Lynn, which is going to end super well for them. Oh, God. Yeah. And HQ keep finding lists of Masons, so refocus on the family ties, and apparently they don't know now that Alex is autistic, even though they've previously mentioned that they know he has Asperger's. Hmm. That's weird. That was the first bit of wonky what the hell from me. Yeah, that was strange. And they said they were going to, um, they put put out a new one where they were in a van now to remain covert. I'm sorry. Every car and van is suspicious. It doesn't matter what you're in. Yeah, if you were on the run, you would be constantly looking over your shoulder and thinking, hmm, I've seen that van a lot. There might be hunters in there. Exactly. When do you not look at a van? Silly. I was, when I was in America, every van I looked at, I thought, are there dead bodies in the back of that? Because I'd watched so many American movies of murderers who pick up people in vans that every van was suspicious to me. Very sad. How long ago was this? I don't remember. But I'd say I'd think the same thing now if I went now. You know, Silence of the Lambs and all that, where he put them in the back of a van and yeah. That's just my thinking, isn't it? It's just America for you. It's Michelle being very paranoid. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> And Sherlock suggests that Lynn is a mule for the Masons to try and distract them while Bob and Alex get moved, which is kind of wrong. And Paul and Michelle are dispatched to interview Lynn. And there's an interesting close-up on their dog. Yes. Why? I know the reason. What's? Tell me what the reason is. This is dropping a hint to something. Something that yeah. I know happens. Blex ends up dog-napping that dog. What the hell? Blex posts a video of... 
taunting Bob, basically saying, I'm sure you want to see Floyd soon. No. Genuinely. It, I'm assuming no it's still on way. the YouTube, but I, I have it. It's one of the one of the videos I have saved. It is Blex Jesus. doing a video with Floyd the dog um, saying, Hi, Bob. I'm sure you want to see this guy soon. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Kidnapping animals now. Like I said, Blex is really stepping it up this year. <laughs> Obviously. What is it, small children next? You know the great thing about this? I could tell as many lies as I wanted to. That is 100% true, but I could tell as many lies as I wanted to and you'd probably still believe it for a few weeks. Yeah. But no, that, that's genuinely true. They do end up dognapping Floyd. I'm assuming they give it back to Lynn, but, you know, still. Still a bit mean. Oh, definitely. If the mother doesn't have her boy there, it, the dog would be the next best thing. And then it, Blex takes the dog away? Oh, It's just cruel. Yeah. And uh, while Paul and Michelle are at the house... Lynn takes a call from Graham and calls off the meetup plan. And she really isn't very subtle with it. No. She made it blatantly obvious that she was in contact with Graham and also that she was basically going to go meet up with them. I think she was highly, highly nervous. Yeah. Like I said, she didn't sign up for this. So it's kind of cruel to put her through this. But I'm pretty sure she wasn't briefed beforehand by anyone who would have had any strategy going, don't say anything. Yeah, I agree there. And Graham's car sets off an ANPR ping on the M2 heading towards the unmarked lodge. And Zoe and Lucy follow in an unmarked van. Second time we've seen that unmarked van. Nick and Danny were in it last time. And when Graham meets Bob and Alex, Bob realises that Graham could have been followed. So panics. And he's correct to panic because, you know, Zoe and Lucy aren't that far behind. It's good that he, he tends to panic at the right times. He just has a sixth sense. Talking of sixth sense, I'm... Very impressed that I managed to guess that Bob and Alex would split. Yes. We'll, we'll get there, but I didn't know that they split. I was just sort of instinctively guessing. Mm, I know. And, and when they said it, I'm thinking, oh, did Michael know? No, I, I didn't know anything about it, which is even better. Ah. And Bob says that they want to cross the line as a team, but he's more interested in seeing whether Alex can do it on his own. And he suggests that they split. And it was all a bit sudden. It was, wasn't it? But maybe the timeline was just ramped up. Maybe they talked about it for a day or so. Yeah, I guess that we've had the the underlying story of Bob wanting to teach Alex that he can do stuff on his own and win. But I didn't think that he would be the one to suggest it. I thought maybe Alex would turn around and go, you know what, Dad, I think I can do this on my own. Would you mind if we split up for a few days? I don't think Alex would have said that. Because it's comfortable. You feel better with when you're in a couple. Yeah. And it, I don't see that Alex has a huge friendship group. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being a Dr. Donna here. Yeah. I'm thinking that <laughs> he only has like a small group of friends or, 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 you know, a couple of strong ones. So I don't know whether he would be as comfortable, you know, with the general public and saying, oh, can you give me a room or... Do you have some food and, and things like that? I think Bob would do more of the asking in that respect. Being strategic, though, if you're in a, a pair like a family pair, you're going to split the money anyway, even if just one of you wins. Exactly. So it's spreading your odds to to then turn around and go, you know what, we're going to double our chance of winning here. Definitely. And hope that they don't get to both of us. Because mm. I don't think it's a good tactic to stay in a, in a pair even even if you're not blood related. I think it's a pretty silly idea to stay in a pair unless 
you you think it's a better idea to stay in a pair. Unless you've made a pact with yeah. the person who isn't a family member and said, look, whoever wins, if one of us wins, we just share the money anyway. And then you could split up and feel comfortable about it. Yeah, but if you take the example of Joe and Dan, if HQ know that they're touring around the pubs that they've previously played, the chances of them finding both of you at two separate pubs is a lot lower than finding both of you at one pub. Mm. So you can still use the same tactics and everything, you just have to head off in different directions. Yeah. And especially getting towards the pointy end of the the competition, they're going to have more resources to spend on trying to find you guys. It's going to be much... Much easier for you to win if you spread around. Well, I'm glad no one goes off in Skelton's car anyway. I'm glad they spread into different cars. Yeah, and was it one burner phone or two? I only saw one. I think it was one, and I think it was given to Alex, because I'm assuming Bob's going to stay with the the Mason network and Alex isn't. Mm, Alex might need it. So Alex is going to use it as an emergency phone, and the fact that we saw that there was a burner phone that's going to be used only in an emergency means there's going to be an emergency and he's going to use it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it happens that way. It's basically a Chekhov's gun principle of if it appears in the show, it will be relevant. Yeah. And they're certainly working under the Chekhov's gun principle for that, I think. I don't think they've shown anything that's a red herring so far. Yeah. Well, particularly if they're showing dogs running across a room. Yeah. That was a particularly sledgehammery one, if you know what happened. Yeah. If you're aware of the existence of Blex and Floyd's video... That was particularly sledgehammery. So I, I was sat there yesterday just going, do I mention this on the podcast or should I leave it as a surprise for Michelle and see if she tweaks it? <laughs> the answer is, of course, I'm, I'm obviously going to mention it because I'm me. No, I wouldn't have tweaked it at all. I would have then had to mention it probably next week because I think, I, I can't remember off the top of my head when the Floyd video was recorded, but I suspect it's probably when Lynn came in, which is, of course, next week. Mm. And Graham on the way out spots Zoe and Lucy in the Unmarked van. Twigs that they're hunters, so cracking instinct there, Graham. And gives them an envelope containing an application form for the Masons for Blex. Yes, and then Blex calls him a wanker. He's great on calling people names this week. The best thing about this is the fact that if you did any research on the Masons like I did last week, you'll know that you don't get invited. You have to ask. Yeah. So the fact that they've mocked up an application form for Blex is even funnier, because it's not even genuine. It's funny. I love it. I love all that stuff. I don't think people being wankers just because they give a letter. I think it's great. It's particularly taunty when Bob and Alex are probably less than about a mile away at that point. I love taunty. I love the fact that they've obviously gone out and tried to find people who are super taunty for this series. No! Given that we've got Magid, we've got Bob and Alex and there and jamie alliance and jamie of masons too. we've got jamie yeah. and also joe and dan aren't slackers in that respect either actually yes joe and dan i'm hoping some of their taunts make it to us so i can actually discuss them before the last week but if it if they do it's ridiculous there's one particular one i will be devastated if it doesn't make on air well you'll have to tell us i will tell you and already knows what it is because we've discussed it oh, but, really? yeah okay you have to tell me <laughs> and then we go back to Majid. And Madge's friend, non-Dr. Donna, posts the picture on Twitter. And my first thought on this is, surely HQ can look at the information on the picture because every picture has metadata. And even though you might not be able to get everything because it was uploaded on Twitter, you're probably going to be able to get the information on when it was taken. Really? Yeah, if you look at any picture on your 
on your hard drive. There's like there's like modified and then there's created dates. Would it be different if you actually, you know how you can take a photo while you're on Facebook or on Twitter or you can take it with your own camera on your phone and yeah. then upload it to Twitter? Would it be the same both ways? You'd have the same data? There would be more data on it if you took it with the camera and then uploaded it. But ah. given that we know she took it and then posted it on um, on Twitter a few days later, potentially, mm. in all likelihood, it'll have been on the camera, mm. which is not a good thing for them. Love it, love it. And she gets brought into questioning and a one-on-one with Sherlock. <laughs> she brings the deer stalker. I like to go one-on-one with Sherlock. I bet you would. <laughs> See, I was going to make that joke and say you'd like to go one on one with Sherlock, and I thought it was a little bit offensive, so I didn't. <laughs> oh no! In that room, when she said that to him, I was like, "God, you're gold!" And then she made a wink with her eye, or something very similar. And then he did the same thing with his eyebrow, a bit like Phil Cogan. And I'm like, "God, I'm loving these two. She was great. That was so good. I wanted more of it. It wasn't enough. She was so, so, so good. And I actually replayed it. I replayed it to look at her facial expressions and then his. Anyone who gets interrogated in any future series of Hunted, please just wind Sherlock up. Because it is golden. So good. If you stonewall Sherlock, he gets more and more annoyed and that's what we want. Because when he gets annoyed, he makes stupid comments and I get to mock him. Oh, look, if Sherlock listens to this, I do love you, Sherlock. I just love it when... People do this stuff to you too. Sherlock, we love you, but we also love teasing you. There's a difference. So much so. And, yeah, she's delightfully snarky. She does not give him much. I know. And Sherlock does suspect that the Green Party is his support network, which, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. You're right. And Majid gets invited to a rally in Sheffield and is staying with the leader of the local Green Party and her companion with a great name. And George and Karen are dispatched to go to the rally on the instinct that he's probably going to be there. Mm. For a minute I thought, gosh, are you going to be there? Are you going to be silly? The answer is maybe. He is silly, but not for that reason. Oh, okay. And friend of the podcast, Steve Hersey, finds 20 names that link Majid's phone, Facebook and the rally. And they identify Helen, the leader of the local Green Party. Yeah, isn't that coincidental? As being the lady with the bucket. Yes, yes. The question is, will that come to anything? Hmm, I wonder. Hmm, probably. And George, in terrible disguise, although not as terrible as Karen's, who seems to be wearing one of Matt and Christina's wigs, he suspects he sees Majid, but of course it's a fake out because it's the end of an ad break cliffhanger, and he is still at Helen's about 20 minutes away. Having cake. Oh no, he didn't do the cake there, he did the cake earlier. And they do put a tracker on Helen's car, which is a bad sign for Majid. Definitely. Where do they put trackers on cars, or is it in, can it be anywhere? I think it's anywhere, because I've got a feeling they're magnetic, but it tends to be under the wheel arch, if I'm not mistaken. Because Jamie found it very quickly. Oh no, it was Jamie's wife found it quickly. Yeah, Leslie found it really quickly, but also in Blex's book, he does say that uh, a criminal at one point did post a tracker back to Scotland Yard, saying, I think you've missed this. Yeah, I have no idea what they look like. I've got a feeling they're usually under the wheel arch. Something in the back of my mind says that. Would it be too hard to try and find it as they were driving down the road then, just stop by the side of the road and try and find it? Well, depends how far behind you thought they were. <laughs> That's probably why they didn't do it. And 
Majid is on day 19, which is June 1st, which is the day of the rally, because I did look at this. <laughs> and Milton, the guy with the great name, spots the chaser, as he calls it, or the hunter, as it's more commonly known. I know, how good is that? He's really good to be able to see that. But he isn't really good to know that his phone will obviously be being monitored. No. Yeah, if you suspect that you're being followed by anyone, don't ring! I know. You just go home and get him. I understand that you have to get Majid to be prepared to leg it out, basically, but act casual. Yeah, but Majid's someone who you could go into the house and say, we've got to go now, and he would go. He'd be fine. He wouldn't take ages. Don't absolutely poo yourself. Oh, jeez. And yeah, because Milton decides to ring Helen's phone, two obviously known phone numbers, uh, HQ intercept the call and follow the car. And I just keep writing, get out of the car! Get out! He's still in there. He's even surmising that maybe the car's got a tracker and he's still not getting out. Yeah. Surely the first two rules of Hunted is make sure that they don't know about your phone. And also, if you suspect they know a vehicle, change the vehicle. If you suspect anything, change anything. And George does get stuck in traffic, which means that two more Hunter teams, including Mark and Carl, are sent as backup to dot the Peak District to try and find Majid. And when they pull over to a pub, Majid gets out to try and grab a map, and Milton spots one of the other cars. Ah, jeez. I think Mark and Carl are the same ones who um, fell for the the Nick decoy last series, by the way. Oh, really? I think so. I think think Carl is the guy who tackled him. That was a good one. Or him, in inverted commas. (laughs) And Mark and Carl do just miss him. Sherlock compliments the tactic of waiting at pubs and seeing if there's any suspicious cars. The Peak District breaks the comms to end the episode. Where is that district? Where are we in England? So the Peak District is sort of it's sort of southeast of Manchester-ish. Southeast. Oh, okay. It's more towards Antway, actually. Are there areas in England where you know it's hard to get phone reception? Yeah, because it's a national park, the Peak District. So it's very hilly, quite rural. Mm. Yeah, the Peak District is basically between Manchester and Sheffield. Is that where they find a lot of your old archaeological bodies and things? Yeah, sort of Derbyshire, Staffordshire way. This is the perfect podcast for Ant to miss because he probably could have answered that question a lot better than I did. Oh, well. But it's it's the wrong direction to go towards the Firth of Forth as, as Majid wanted to. Is it like a dead end? You know, like our national park areas, it's really only one road. And to go in or out, you're on one road. Is it the same with that? No, there's there's loads of different roads. I'm actually looking at Google Maps at the moment. Um, there's loads okay. of different roads in and out, but it's quite rural. The There won't be much phone signal, for example. Mm. They're going to have a much more difficult time being able to keep in contact with each other. So, next time, Majid gets chased, Bob is in the dark, Lynn is interrogated, and one of the brothers of Swing gets his home raided. Woohoo! Bit of excitement. So what do you think is going to happen next week? Second last episode, isn't it? Someone has to get caught next week. I'm thinking. I don't want it to be magic, but that ending was pretty scary. It seemed like another Jamie ending. I think Alex or Bob, one of them is getting to the end. Yeah, I think so too. I don't know what's happening with Joe and Daniel. We really don't see them enough. I think we've got to see a lot of them next week. It's getting towards the, the crunch time, I think. I think if anyone's getting caught next week, it's magic. Yeah. And the other two teams are getting through. Interestingly, I've been sitting on this and I was expecting it to appear this week, but it didn't, annoyingly. 
two weeks into the hunt, Blex released a video saying, Remaining fugitives. Two weeks into the hunt, we've already caught more than half of you. Our remaining resources will be directed towards all of you. We are going to catch you. There you go. That means Majid's gone. But the thing is, Majid's on day 19. And Joe and Dan and Bob and Alex are also after day 14. Right. So I I don't know what the deal is with that. Mm, Maybe they catch Bob. Bob and Alex split up on day 15, I think it was. But Blex's first line is, less than two weeks into the, the hunt and we've already caught more than half of you. He's just saying it to um, put them on the back foot. I think he's just saying it to, to put them on the back foot. But it's so odd that there was no mention of this as a tactic. Because that's a mm. great tactic to release the video. And they released it on all the social media. I think it's still on YouTube. Um, but yeah, Blex released a video saying, less than two weeks into the hunt and we've already caught more than half of you. So I was under the impression that only... At most, four people would be making it to day 14. Mm. And yet we have five. And also in that video, because this was the first video that was released during the hunt, Sherlock's not there. It's Toddington and Julia either side of Blex. Sherlock isn't actually in the video, which is the... This is the reason that we were under the impression Sherlock wasn't back for Hunted Series 3. Because Mm. this is the only video that we saw of the entire team, basically. And Sherlock wasn't there. I know. It was sad. I've been trying not to talk about it too much because it did sort of reveal that there was a few early captures. I saw a still of it. I remember seeing something, um, but not the actual video. Yeah, but there was there was absolutely no Sherlock in that video, which was a little bit confusing. What day was Jamie caught? Jamie was caught about day 10, I think. Really? I'm sure, I'm sure Jamie will tweet me and tell me exactly what day, but I think it was about day 10. Gosh, they had a lot on him compared to, you know, Joe and Daniel. Well, if you consider that the the C-section was booked for the 2nd of June, which was day 20. Are they always going to put people in who are, whose babies are due? You know, we've seen this in US and UK now. We were having this discussion a few weeks ago, weren't we? Whether they deliberately cast people who maybe have an event that happens during the hunt. Mm. And I guess it it means that they actually have a chance to catch them. Mm-hmm. And it allows them to be a bit sneakier. So that's kind of why they do it, I think. I think it's more to facilitate a bit of sneakiness yeah. on, on the part of the, the fugitives. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's mm-hmm. a prerequisite, but I, I certainly think if they were picking between two people or sets of people as to who's getting cast, if they like both and there's one that has a reason to, to come home during the hunt period, they're probably going to go with that one. Mm. Yeah, gives them a bit more to work with. And just think, this time next week, we will know who who's in the final episode. Yeah. We're hurtling through Hunted here. That's good. Yeah, we're only uh, only two weeks away from finishing the series. I like it short and sweet. It's nice for us because, yeah, it's annoying that we couldn't cover Vidim this year, which is amazing. And even Michelle's actually watching Vidim, which <laughs> it's taken years for me to pester you and Logan to actually both watch it, and you both are. I think you're enjoying it. I am enjoying it. It's certainly a good year to start with because this has been fantastic already. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good. It's annoying that Hunted has sort of stolen a little bit of the spotlight from Vidim. And the same with Tara. I blame Tara more than I blame Hunted. Yeah, got three things going at once. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be doing three podcasts a week. That's <laughs> crazy. But this series of Hunted has been amazing so far. They've still got it, even after the, the cracker that was series two. Hmm. Because they keep upping the game, that's why. Yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to see. And the hunted, the hunted people keep um, they're upping their taunting. 
and that's what we love. So we're really enjoying that. <laughs> we just love stuff to be able to talk about. Let's be honest, we don't, we're not picky. We just love to be able to talk about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if there is enough teasing and taunting for it to make our, our lives worthwhile. Yes, I did. I got very happy watching this this um, episode. There was a good amount of taunting for me. The Michelle taunting factor was high enough. Even the interview, she was taunting him. I loved it. In that case, thank you for listening to this Haunted Podcast. You can join us next weekend to recap episode number five. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Beth for Michelle. And we will see you next week. And with that, your time on the run is over. Bye. Hello, fugitives. Less than two weeks into the hunt, and we've already caught half of you. All our resources are now focused on those of you who remain on the run. Our range is wide, our focus has narrowed. Beware, we're coming to get you.